Hey everybody, welcome back to the Huntfish Grow Podcast. I'm your host, Brad. It has been several months since I put out a show. It has been a very weird summer and springtime. Uh, last time I was with you guys, I was getting ready for turkey season back in March. And I was going to give you guys a little bit of a review on that, how turkey season went. It went pretty good. went about like I expected. I did get one turkey. Going to kind of fill you guys in on what I've been doing in the meantime, some things that have happened around properties here. And going to give you a little bit of preview. Deer season starts for me um, tomorrow, probably well today. By the time that you hear this, it will be in full swing for me with rifle season. Tell you guys what kind of plans I have this year to make this hunting season a little bit different and what I did to prepare and how it's going to be a big change for me. But get things started off this past uh, spring. My uncle that owned the land that I hunted, he passed away with COVID. And we went through a big sale. We sold the, his property that I always hunted. It was about 100 acres that I had to hunt pretty much to myself exception of family members and we went through the whole process of selling that property and watching somebody else buy it and hunt it and getting set up for their deer season over there after the work that I had put in was very hard to watch it was pretty discouraging for me as far as really you know outdoor stuff that I like to do put a lot of time and many many years onto that property on the next episode, I'm actually going to sit down and I'm going to do a show just on that property and the memories and some stories from there and what it was like to go through that process. But go ahead and tell you, it wasn't fun to watch. Um, a lot of personal feelings that I have about it and just kind of depressing for me to watch that property kind of go away for me to be able to use it. But... A lot of good things did happen. I do have uh, the property here that's on our place. I still got 40 acres here I can hunt, plus a couple other properties. So I've been putting a lot of work into those this summer, getting those ready. I still have not put my stands up because I'm not quite sure where I want to put them. So I'm going to be ground blind hunting for the first couple days until I can kind of figure out where the deer are moving at. Uh, trail cameras haven't really gave me a really good idea of where I'm going to put that stuff. But one big thing that did happen this past summer, I got myself a dog. I got myself a Boykin Spaniel puppy, and I've been dealing with her and raising her and training her a little bit here and there. Over the whole summer, it's been a huge new adventure for me, as I've never really had a hunting dog. Well, I got Evie from Broad River Boykins down in Georgia. She's been a wonderful dog. She's stubborn sometimes. She does like to tear stuff up, but that's just part of the dog's breed. But she's extremely smart, loves to please, easy to train, and is one of the most happy-go-lucky dogs that you could ever imagine. Also, came across another dog. I wasn't planning on having two. Well, three dogs total. I do have my Yak Terrier. Wasn't expecting to have a third dog here. I was coming home from a beer run to the gas station. It was about a, it was back in, I believe, June. And it was right at 100 degrees that day, and I'm coming down the road. And 
see something white laying in the ditch. And I get up close and I can see a dog laying there. I just kind of expected the worst that somebody had hit this dog. So I get up closer and I see it moving. So I, like I said, I don't know if this thing has been hit by a car. It was in really bad shape. So I got out of the car to check on her and she stood up. Uh, Coonhound, I believe it's a Walker Coonhound. And I was like, well, and she stood there and you could tell she was in bad shape, really scrawny, covered in fleas and sores, just in really bad shape. And I have some water, a water bowl and water that I carry around for Evie. So I grabbed that water bottle and the bowl and I went out there and I poured her some water in the bowl and she came over here and she drank it down so fast that I really could not keep up with pouring water in the bowl so I went back to go get another bottle come back around and she was gone I figured maybe she just wasn't comfortable and just ran off I was gonna get back in the truck and leave I grab a bowl and all of a sudden I hear something kind of moving around and I try and look and I had left my back door open on the truck in the back seat and I look and this dog has jumped up in the truck she's curled up in a ball she's not getting out so I'm like okay so I bring her and I close the door, turn the air conditioner on, help her cool off, and drive back to the house and get her out, get her some food and things, and I start calling around to some vet's office to see if I could take her to have her scan for a microchip. Found one vet that was able to do it since it was a Saturday afternoon, so I took her over there, and they scanned her, and didn't find no chip. And this dog would not leave my side. She stood right there by me. She never gave me trouble pulling on a leash anything like that, so the uh, vet tech that was there, she just kind of looked at me, smiled, said, this old girl's done found her a new man. I figured, well, if nobody claims her, I guess she has, because I brought her back, and she's been here ever since. She, Like I said, she was in really bad shape. I took her to my vet that Evie goes to, and got her all fixed up, and she's now flea-free. She did have... Um, slight case of um, heartworm she came back with a slight positive on the test so we're getting her treated for that got her medicated got her out of all the fleas and sores and she's now fat and happy and running around the yard right now chasing around the boykin or the other way around i can't really tell what they're doing right now probably tearing something up in my yard they are horrible about pulling stuff out and finding stuff i didn't even know i had just to chew it up and, and tear it up and do what dogs do scattering trash all over the place I did install a underground fence for them so they can roam around the, the whole property and run around. That was an adventure all in itself. I, but I do highly recommend if you live in the country and you're kind of close to the road like I am, I highly recommend the, the wireless fence or the underground fence. It, it's been a huge lifesaver for me because now I can just let the dogs out and I don't have to walk them out on the leash, put their collars on, let them go play, let them go romp around in the yard all day, get all their energy out. And it's a it's a great thing. And like I said, it was a pain in the butt to install, but because of all the trees in my yard and roots and rocks and everything else, I was going to put in a fence around the back side of the property as far as like my backyard area. And, you know, it lives, I mean, my house is literally built on a rock. And the, everything on my side of the road is completely flat, and it's because it's on top of a rock that's about 18 inches under the ground. And from what I understand, even the house I live in, is the foundation is carved into this rock. So 
building a fence was not going to happen. Luckily, I don't have to dig down with a, about two inches to put this fence in, so that's what I did with the wire for the fence. I just kind of dug down and used the old farm all tractor with a center plow and just went around and dug a trench and buried the wire and hooked it up, and it works great. So highly recommend that if anybody's thinking of it. And it's e very easy to train the dogs, too. Uh, it takes about once or twice of them getting popped with it or really just the vibrate function worked very well at first and then they've tested it a few times and they don't even go anywhere near it now i can walk out of the, to the fields i can walk out to the mailbox they know where the wire is now and they just sit there and wait for me to come back so great great investment on my part on that one and I, like i said again i do recommend it for anybody but the dogs are doing good i'm still trying to learn how to train dogs it's never been something i've ever done so i'm taking a little bit of learning curve with that one it's uh, very testing to your patients. It's very testing on the dog's patients. But it's worth it in the end because they're coming around to where they are showing a lot of promise. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with the coon hound yet. I'm not a big coon hunter, but I do like to eat coon. So maybe I can use her somehow to give me ideas of where I want to set my traps or even train her to trail deer i know i didn't want another big deer trailing dog because they like to pull you through the woods i think that she would be excellent matter of fact if she was out in the yard yesterday where there had been some deer walking around she spent hours out there just sniffing around where they were at i haven't really picked a good trainer yet for the boykin i'm still trying to find one here locally that has the slots available to train her for retrieving skills and you know the things that a boykin's supposed to do but they have both been a big, big just happiness spot in my life right now. So I'm glad they came along when they did. Even with the uh, the frustration that they caused. I mean, it's nice to have them there whenever you're kind of, you know, in down or you know bored or just anything. Just have somebody there because I spend a lot of time here at home just looking at four walls by myself. And having the dogs here has been, been very good. Uh, some other things have been happening. Like I said, I've been working here on the farm, getting it ready. I, I kind of had let the pastures. I hunted mostly on the other property, my pasture here and all. It had kind of really grown up. Lots of goldenrod, ragweeds, sweet gum trees had really started to take over. Lots of persimmon trees, which is a good thing for me since I needed a food, good food source for early season hunting. I've got hundreds of persimmon trees and probably a quarter of them are bearing fruit already so i've got some good places there i'm really kind of managing it for more for wildlife than i am to open it back up and make a pasture out of it so left uh big blackberry patches really some thick woody areas for bedding areas for deer i, I see deer every time i go out there i'm jumping up out of the beds so it's got a lot of promise. Got a couple really nice bucks that I'm going to be trying to pattern. Does look like just like everything else around here. While your big bucks are completely nocturnal until the rut. So these bucks, I'm seeing them late, late at night on camera in really thick stuff. They're not even coming out like into open areas yet. So got to kind of wait for the rut to kick in. And hopefully they'll mess up at that point in time. But I'm just trying to right now, trying to gather 
my ambush area is where I'm going to be setting up between their bedding areas and food sources and water and then where the does are going to be hanging out. And so I've been doing that. I did a lot of um, bush hogging. Some, I actually went and done some, uh, did some poisoning of some of the big sweet gum trees. I'm trying to mitigate that as much as possible. I probably got five or six hundred sweet gum trees. Um, we'll try to take about half of them out, and especially some of the bigger ones around the fields and things and the pasture itself. Kind of, I ain't too worried about the ones off down in the woods, but taking and uh, doing a uh, drill method and using uh, poison that's legal here to use in South Carolina to kind of get those trees down and get them out of here so it's not completely taking over the pasture anymore. And like I said, I am trying to make it more of a wildlife friendly place. So, I mean, I've seen, I've seen more rabbits while I was bush hogging than I've seen in the past five years while I was out there, but it was so thick you couldn't even walk through it to get down to the woods, to the creek. I spent five days out there bush hogging for six, seven hours a day. Made a very, it, it was nice to see it kind of come back to what it looked like years ago, back when we did have cattle out there. It does still look a lot different I'm currently trying to also get it for quail, trying to make a nice area for the quail since uh, a couple years ago. Um, the quail did seem to kind of start to come back, and then we kind of started cleaning things up and not hearing as many. So trying to make that an area where they'll have some good habitat also. Uh, they're coming to do some planting here soon on the fields. So it's gonna, we'll hopefully have some good food sources for wildlife coming back. Like I said, it's been a while since I've done one of these shows, so I'm still kind of filling it back out and trying to get back in the groove of making a podcast for you guys. It's just been a really busy summer. Kind of got get a little bit discouraged. You know, you lose your hunting grounds and you don't know what to do and you, you don't have a whole lot of time to work on them. So trying to get myself in back into the groove of doing things the way I was before I moved here to where I am now. Still have not gotten all my processing equipment set up. I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to do about the power situation to the buildings. So I can set back up the processing station and all that and building a new cooler to hang the deer in. When I first started doing the podcast, you know, I'd been at that place for a couple of years and had everything set up and could just basically it was just like a systematic thing. I'd go get the deer, could get it hung up and let it age and then take it down, bring it into the process. And then once all the season was over, I could break it down and get into my trapping mode. I had all my trap stuff set up where I could do my skinning and all that. I had my grill and all my cooking stuff set up. So it's just trying to just get everything set back up. I've still got a lot of my stuff still even just packed up that I haven't even unpacked to get ready. Gonna come back in just a second and we'll give you guys kind of a review of the turkey season the new gun that i actually broke down and bought so give me a few seconds and we'll be right back all right i'm back and i uh, did want to give everybody you might notice 
a little bit of a change in the setup of the podcast. I did uh, migrate my podcast to a new platform over at anchor.fm and it's part of the Spotify family. So I I did leave my old uh, podcast host and moved over to Anchor. It's a lot more cost effective for me and they got a lot of very powerful, really nice options that I'm going to be testing out here. I know that you may be hearing some advertisements here and there. I don't know yet. I don't know how this episode, how they will start to put that stuff in. I know they use their own AI system to pick and put stuff in. So you will start to hear a few ads here and there. Thanks money for them helps me out. So guys, uh, hope you guys like the new platform. Hope it's a little bit easier. I know a lot of people are now using Spotify more for listening to podcasts and a couple and Pandora has been another big you guys anybody who's listening on Pandora thank you for listening to me there it's become probably the most listened to platform that I'm hearing right now as far as my analytics go but that's uh it's been a big change it took a while to kind of figure it all out for me where I wanted to go and which platform I want to use but I got a lot of high recommendations for Anchor, so anybody else who's wanting to do a podcast, whenever you're looking to which one you want to go to, give Anchor a, a good look, and also Buzzsprout, that's who I started with. They were very helpful, very easy to use, a lot of good features over there, too. But with turkey season and all that just came up and gone faster than I really wanted it to, it was gone. It came and went before I really even knew what had happened. I think the last time we talked, I was patterning, I was planning on using the 410 shotgun for turkey season. And I did. But I was going to be using my Yildiz TK36 single shot, the real cheap one that I had been reviewing and pattern testing on YouTube. And I think we talked about it several times here on the podcast. So I went to... A new gun. I was actually up at Palmetto State Armory in Greenville, South Carolina. And I was just in there. I was actually looking for some parts for the gun we're going to be talking about here in a little bit, my 350 Legend. And just kind of looking around, I seen a really neat looking shotgun. It was a magazine fed 410 shotgun. Five shots, kind of not an AR style platform. It was done in my favorite camo pattern which is the Masio the old classic Masio Bottomlands. Really good looking gun. And got to asking a guy about it, got a price on it, and wasn't even planning on walking out of there with a gun, but I did. It is a Silver Eagle XT3 camo. 410. Uses the uh Benelli style choke system. Like I said it is magazine fed. Uh comes with two magazines. One is five rounds the other one is five rounds but it comes with a plug in it then it'll only hold two so you can use it for migratory birds the whole gun like i said is done in that my favorite that awesome good looking mossy oak bottomlands as far as the gun i brought it home and i was using the tss turkey loads that come for that they're using now for 410 shotguns and i, I was trying to make a 40 yard 410 shotgun where I knew I could reliably kill turkey at 40 yards. And I got a hold of the guys at Apex Ammunition, and they told me, they gave me the recommendations, and I bought a box of their Turkey Ninja 410 
rounds. It's a, uh, I don't have the box here with me to read the specs on it, but patterned it out. As far as the patterning goes for those shells, they had the most consistent good pattern at 40 yards. Uh, another good ammunition that I did test was the Browning TSS Turkey Loads in the 410, and they did really well also. And they were a little easier to find, but they only came in boxes of five, and you can only find one box here and one box there. Uh, but out of the, all the ammo that I tested with the choke that I bought a Carlson's TSS choke to go in this gun, like I said, it does use the Benelli, the old Benelli style of choke system. I did have a little bit of an issue with the gun when I first bought it. Uh, it's not a huge issue because they, they helped me with it, but it was a the seal on the piston has two rings on it, uh, two gas seals or two clip rings, whatever you'll call them. One of them, I don't know if it was manufacturer issue or a problem when I assembled the gun itself, not exactly sure. But though the top ringers too, like I said, and the top one came off and was pushed down to the bottom was causing it not to feed properly. And it wouldn't uh, eject the first shell. It would just jam up or it wouldn't reload the next shell. And I contacted the guys at Silver Eagle and they sent me a new piston with rings in it, put it in. Have not had any issues with it whatsoever since it shoots wonderful. You can rip off five shells of two and three quarter all the way up to the three inch buckshot, whatever, it just it rips it out. So they got that fixed and it's been, and it's very consistent on its patterning. But I didn't go with the DLD yet. I, I plan on using it next year. I'm trying to come up with a site for it. And when you're shooting that far with a 410, you've got to be really accurate. Without some kind of sight on it, it just has a bead at the end of the barrel. I was kind of iffy on it, but with the Silver Eagle, it does come with sights on it, like steel sights. has a true glow or you know, fiber optic sight on the front and back. And this thing, is, like I said, is very consistent. Now, it's actually, the, I did kill a turkey with the gun. I was here in the house, and I was actually standing in the kitchen drinking coffee in my pajamas. And I look out across the road and I see two Jakes strutting over there in the field and it's getting late in the season and I hadn't had any luck as far as the Tom goes here so I just kind of sat here and waited and I kind of knew where they were going to go so I went I got all my gear on and my calls and I just kind of opened up the back door here at the house and hit the call a few times to see if they would react they gobbled so I was like all right so I grabbed a gun snuck around the back of the house and waited watched them they went across the road after a sightseer in a bmw pulled up and sat there and watched them for a minute i was like man that's gonna run them off guy stopped i seen him take a couple pictures with his phone with him out there strutting and he went on about his business and the turkeys they came on across the road came literally 55 60 yards behind the house through the woods and when they got in the woods i slipped off here behind my barn i got a two like a little path between the two of them and I just went and sat down there between that two paths, hit the call a few times. They came out in the field. I picked the biggest one. Shot, he hit the ground. And just, just cold, just hit the ground, flopped for a few seconds and stopped. Went out there and that gun did 
amazing. Like I said, for a 410 shotgun, I could not believe I made that shot. And I said that I wanted to build a 40-yard turkey gun. Well, I know for a fact it'll shoot and kill a turkey dead at 39 yards. So I'm pretty sure it'll do it at 40 also. So from now on, I believe I do have a 12-gauge, but for running and gunning for turkey like I like to do, I believe that 410 is nice and light, compact. Uh, it's going to do perfect for what I want to do. And for anybody who is wanting to, say, bring youth into the, the field, you now can use a 410 as an option reliably for turkey within the means of what it's built for, which is I I believe you could stretch out with the right choke pattern or right choke tube and good pattern testing and getting the right load. I believe you could stretch this thing out to 50 yards. Uh, I did shoot a couple of pattern tests at 50 yards and it was still over a hundred pellets in the 10 ring. So I really truly believe that it would make a really good 50 yard gun with the right person behind the trigger and maybe even a good red dot sight. I bought a red dot sight. The one downfall of that Silver Eagle that I noticed that I don't like is that it has a dovetail style rail on it, like like you would find on an old air gun. It doesn't have a weaver style dovetail and it's not uh, tapped and uh, threaded for a scope. So it does make a, for a little bit of a hassle because I have not been able to find a good adapter yet to go from air gun style rib to a weaver style or a just a standard mounting platform uh, not sure if i can have that receiver tapped or not um, i have to look into it i don't know how thin the metal is or if they can do it so i got to find a reputable gunsmith to see if they could do that but that wasn't the only new toy that i bought uh, last fall i bought a new gun that i was going to build and get into so if uh, you will i'm going to take another quick break real quick and we'll get into that and what my plans are for hunting season coming up this year. And we're going to go into a little bit of detail about the gun that I chose, the 350 Legend. Why I chose it and what I plan to do with it and what it's hopefully going to be good for. But we'll be back in just a few seconds and we'll get into that. Like I said, again, I apologize. I, like I said, I don't know if you heard just music or if you actually heard a ad there. Not sure. Like I said, this whole new platform for me is a little different. But I want to tell you about the, the new toy that I guess I built last year. I might have already mentioned it, but I did build a 350 Legend in an AR platform. Uh, I originally built the gun to go hog hunting with uh, Will Hutchinson that we had done an interview with a few seasons ago uh those plans always kind of fell through with that and we never did get to go to try it out but i paired it with a night vision atn scope to do some recording i figured doing the youtube stuff i could 
record some video and share that. Have not got to try it out yet, hoping to this deer season. By now, I'm sure a lot of you have already heard of a 350 Legend. What it basically is, it's a AR friendly. It was built off of a 223 casing, but it's made for it's a straight wall cartridge. It doesn't have any shoulder to it or taper. As far as bottlenecking the cartridge down, the the casing itself does have a little taper to it for feeding purposes, but the gun was designed for states that used to be shotgun only or pistol only. So what they did is they designed this cartridge because some of those states kind of lightened up their laws and made it where you could use a straight-walled rifle cartridge that was what would kind of lose its effectiveness and would drop off at about 300 yards, basically. They didn't want they don't want a high-powered rifle because where those places are, it's long and flat, and you got a lot of hunters, safety concerns. They allow straight-wall cartridges because they don't really travel as far. Well, this gun, like I said, it shoots a um, 357 bullet or 9mm size uh, projectile, so you got a lot of options there, but the one I'm currently shooting is... Uh, it is a Winchester round, so they kind of were the first company to make rounds. Now, dozens of companies make rounds for this thing in different packages and styles. But I'm currently shooting the Winchester 180 grain uh, PowerPoint, just your old lead tip bullet. And I'm shooting this out of an Acme machining, or Acme machine, Acme machine company, 18-inch uh, upper that I bought from them with a Palmetto State Armory classic lower i wasn't expecting a whole lot as far as accuracy but when i bought the gun and i put this new scope on it i didn't really know how to work the scope that well so i loaded up a few magazines set up a 100 yard target and this thing's supposed to have what's called one touch center one one shot center supposed to be able to shoot the target get your mark where it's at and you move the crosshairs over to where the target is and you move it over there and you press a button and it's supposed to move your reticle over and zero the gun. Well, whenever I was going through that process, it kept saying zoom on the screen. And I was like, and it would say zoom, yes, no. And I would always hit no because I didn't want to like zoom in on it. You know, I didn't want to zoom in on the target, so I didn't hit yes. Well, finally I called a guy that has one of these coaches and said, no, that's your, it means like zoom is like, move your crosshairs over to it. So once I'd done that, and I'd already fired a whole box of ammunition at this point, 20 rounds. And I was like, man, I was like, this thing, well, finally, I hit the zoom button, went back, boom, perfect, dead center, 100 yards. I was like, oh, okay, so I did it. I could see I was tearing up the side of the target over there where it was hitting that. Well, I went out there and checked it, and within a, for 20 rounds, I had what looked like all 20, or basically I had a hole where I could fit my fist in it. All like all those rounds went through within a inch to an inch and a half circle. Uh, a couple flyers, of course, but I mean, it just basically just wore a hole in that thing. So accuracy is definitely there at 100 yards. I got to doing my research on it and the best zero for that gun because it's effective range out to around 250 yards set your sight at 150 yards zero so i'm gonna work on that uh, as of right now where it's at i gotta take it out here and shoot it tomorrow afternoon just to make sure that it's still on target 
as far as it holding, we'll see. Like I said, I don't know how those scopes are about losing their zero. This will be the first time I've used this, shot this gun this year, other than just going outside and just shooting milk jugs and beer cans with it. Uh, the gun itself, as far as the review, like I said, the gun works flawlessly. You do have to have 350 Legend specific magazines for it. So that was kind of one one bummer to it because it only uh, only will, the largest magazine I've been able to find so far is a twenty round magazine, but I do have plenty of uh, have a couple five round magazines, have a couple ten round magazines, and a couple twenties. Um, ammunition was a big one for me because I could always find three fifty eleven legend ammo back last year whenever ammunition really started to get short. There was an abundance of this three fifty ammo laying around that you could pick up for a good price. Um, I found some full metal jacket rounds, 145 grain Winchesters. Picked those up for around $12, $13 a box. Um, the actual hunting ammunition uh, for your 180 grain and your ballistic or ballistic tip, 150 grain, those bullets are, they all of them were running around between the $19.99 to, once the prices started going up, about $28. So I was picking them up when I could find them. So now I've got a good a good pile of ammunition that I can use as far as hunting uh, this year and having some plinking ammunition or just want to go out and shoot for fun. Um, I kind of shoot off-round, off, not the most popular cartridges anyway, like my 7mm short mag, 22 Magnum. I do have a 30 6 and a 243, which I still have ammo for them. But I... Like I said, I, I kind of like your off calibers that aren't as popular, that work really well. That way I can usually find ammunition for them while, especially for the 7 short mag, that ammunition gets expensive quick when you can find it. But not all, but when they do put it out there, it's easy to find. But my plan this year is to do something kind of different, kind of fun. I want to take a deer with, like I said, here in South Carolina we can kill... Uh, just from your tags, you can kill up to five deer with the tags that you get, and you can buy supplementary tags. I don't really need supplementary tags. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to process that many deer. I don't even have room for them, even though i got three freezers. I don't want to have all that meat for just me here. may uh, get with a church group and see if I can donate a couple and help out some people in need. Something I like to do, if i got an abundance of something, I like to kind of share it with people. When I can, uh, there's a lot of people out there that's hurting right now. Uh, I don't understand. There's a lot of things going on that there's people who just don't have the money right now just because of the way things go. Still, businesses shutting down left and right. And as of now, it's not because people, they can't find work. It's just people aren't working. They're not wanting to. I don't know why we can't even, where I work, we can't even get people to stick around for long. They leave or just don't want to come back. It's been a really, really weird year. Everybody knows that with COVID, and it didn't go away like everybody was hoping it would. So we're well into year two of it. And it's just been kind of a, a drag on everybody. But one good thing about it, there have been a lot of new people get into the outdoors and learning to hunt. And as long as it does have its cons, you know, trying to find ammo and hunting gear and supply chain problems that everybody's having as far as getting gear and ammunition, and parts, and, and it's just been a weird, a really weird year 
for me personally and for everybody else just because of COVID. But I'm really looking forward to getting out here and doing some deer hunting and working with my dogs. And I really want to learn some new stuff as far as bird hunting. I'm really hoping that uh, some plans don't fall through for my fraternity brother to come down and do some bird hunting. We'll we'll see how that goes. I've always been wanting to go, and he's very good at it, and we're going to come down here and hopefully, if he can, come, and we're going to go try to find some grouse up in the mountains. But as far as the 350 Legend goes and what I want to do for hunting, I do want to use it to get a feel for how it does do with deer. I know that Winchester, they put out a video of a big, uh, they did like a big deer camp video thing where they went to Illinois and Texas and all these places and shot deer with these guns. They were shooting them out of a bolt action gun. But uh, the I think it was the Winchester XPR and the videos that they shared, it done extremely well. It's putting deer down in their tracks within, you know, anything out to 250 yards. I mean, that's a that's a whopping bullet. That's a 35 caliber bullet. And it's coming out of the barrel around anywhere between 2,100 and 2,300 feet per second. Like I said, it is not a long-range gun. That's not what it's for. But, I mean, the videos that they showed on it, well, some of the videos I've watched online, they're having some deer run. I see, I see on the videos online that it kind of has the same issue that I was having with my 243 at around 250 to 300 yards was with the 243 the reason i bought the seven short mag was i wasn't getting pass-throughs and i wasn't getting very big uh wound channels or exit wounds at all and i lost a really big buck i believe it was 2018 on october it was on it was in october it was columbus day no it was halloween morning it was Halloween, and I shot a very, very nice buck, and I tracked this deer. I actually had a really good blood trail. I believe I shot him high or a little far back. I believe I got him through the, the dead shot, the dead either the the dead zone uh, above the spine at the top of the top of the back is where I believe I hit this deer because he mule kicked and he went down and laid there for a few minutes like it knocked him out and then he got up and basically plowed his face through the dirt till he got to the woods and took off um i tracked that deer for over a mile and i jumped him one other time and once i jumped him he was gone the blood had kind of went away went back and looked for this deer i had to get permission from the other property owners to go back and look they looked uh, we even called in a dog, and the, even the guy with the dog said that and he believed that deer was still alive and gone. And back last year, I believe I seen that deer because he had a big wound or scar up on his shoulder, and he was limping real bad on that leg. So he did make it, I believe, and he was not far from where I initially shot him at then uh, crossing the road. So hopefully he's still out there doing his thing and, like I said, he was a massive deer, so hopefully he's still around and kicking, but I'm pretty sure he's probably a little bit more shy to come out during the daytime than what he was. But the plan is this year I want to shoot one with all five of my calibers, the hunting calibers that I have, which is the 243, the 300, 30-06, 7 short mag, 
and either the I'm not sure if I want to do one with the 12 gauge or if I want to do it one with the 410 and a slug or buckshot so that would be my five deer so I'm that's my plan is to do that and film a couple of them I'm still I don't really have a lot of equipment as far as recording hunts so we'll just have to kind of see if I can do that I may just make a do a GoPro and use the camera on the gun GoPro it up and wear one on my hat or something We'll just have to see how that goes. Uh, the, my phone use, makes the best videos out of all the cameras that I have, so maybe I'll come up with a way to use it. But with deer season here, it's, like I said, it's knocking on the door, guys. Get out there and enjoy it. Uh, get your kids out there with you. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try this 350 Legend out. We're going to see how it does. I really want to video that hunt because I want to get good facts and good video of how this thing behaves when it hits a deer if it puts them down if it if they're running i want to see because like i said that's kind of the reason i didn't use a 243 but this gun it it has a lot of energy transfer and it's devastating on hogs the videos i've seen online of hog hunting and this thing is devastating on a hog and i'm talking two 250 pound boars it's stopping them in their tracks so if it'll knock a hog down like that, I'm pretty sure our little deer here in South Carolina ain't gonna stand a chance within the, like I said, within this reasonable range. But I do, I'm, I'm really glad you guys are still around. I wanted to get this out. Like I said, it's not a very informative, you know, show, not really going into a lot of detail. Just kind of wanted to make a show, reconnect with you guys. Um, I am making some merchandise. I'm making it here. I've got some coasters available with our logos on them from Bottom Dollar Outdoors and Hunt Fish Grow. Uh, making uh, got some tumblers I've made I've got a couple of uh, whiskey glasses I've got a, a few things here and if you guys are interested in anything like that if you might want to order some or see it uh, you can email me at huntfishgrowpodcast at gmail.com check it out also we still have the Instagram channels bottom dollar outdoors and huntfishgrowpodcast both on Instagram we do not have Facebook anymore so got rid of that platform but Instagram is still up and going. Or, like I said, you can just email me directly. And if you're interested in seeing some of that stuff. Um, like I said, I hope you guys are enjoying the new platform. I know, like I said, it's got some ads in it. And people have mixed feelings about that. But, like I said, it's the best, I believe, for promoting my podcast. And maybe in general, bringing a little revenue to kind of help pay for the equipment and stuff that I use here. Like, guys, I hope everybody get out in the woods, hunt, go fishing. Um, we'll cover some of the fishing stuff that I did this summer. I didn't do a whole lot, so I didn't really want to throw it in here. I want to keep this one kind of short as I'm getting ready to leave, go to work. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Please stick around for next week. Next week will be a little bit more informative as we're going to dive into some things about land and having land, losing land, some of the kind of the impacts on your on you financially, mentally, and your drive to do things and ways to cope with that because that's something I've had to go through and really learn and figure out for myself the different stages, I guess, of grieving over losing land because you're going to. There's another podcast I'll recommend it. I've got to go back and get all the information, but there's another there was a podcast that I listened to that was about the same subject and it really helped me, so I'll reference that one in there and use some of their points and some of the stuff that I used to cope with the whole situation like i said i know it sounds weird that's just some people are probably like oh it's just land it's just this but 
um, that land I had hunted since I was old enough to walk. And I had a lot of memories there. It was a really cool piece of property. And lots and lots of memories were made on that piece of land. And it was really hard to see it go. So I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some fishing. Uh, hopefully give you guys a little bit of a deer hunting update. And we'll get into something about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about some land prep and things you can do in the wintertime as far as farming to things that you could do for food plots, late season stuff. With that being said, God bless every one of y'all and God bless the United States of America and y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Talk to you soon.